Welcome everyone, how's it going? Uh, it's Lucas, I am here talking into a microphone. And we're going to talk about NFTs today, as usual, but under a new podcast name. Welcome to the first edition of the NFT Rumors podcast. We used to be called NFT 305, Highway in the Little Miami thing. We're still in Miami, we're still going to be uh, focusing on that, and we're bullish on the city for crypto and NFTs, so we're not going to move away from that too much, but... Yeah, don't be shocked. It's the NFT Rumors podcast now. It's the same updates. It's still Lucas. It's still Alec. And we got the NFT news updates for you and the interviews that you love all around the NFT space. But today on the NFT Rumors podcast, we have a very special episode. Uh, we have an interview with Dan Boyd, who is the Senior Athletic Director of Sales and Marketing here at the University of Miami. And they started this thing called Kane's Vault. And they're the first university to be selling officially licensed digital collectibles as NFTs uh, in their Kane's Vault marketplace. And they're selling the championship rings. Obviously, University of Miami has a very strong tradition of football excellence. And they have a lot of stuff that they can tap into there. Uh, we learn all about that at the end of the episode. And we talk about other things just surrounding college athletics and this new digital revolution. We get into name image name, image, and likeness. Uh, we just talk about the future for college athletics becoming more technical, and it's really cool to see his perspective, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, right before that, we give you the NFT news updates. Uh, we got some drops happening this weekend that we'll touch on. All the major auction houses are selling NFTs, uh, some more technical stuff, and all the celebrities that are getting into it, of course. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at NFT Rumors, uh, share this podcast, leave a review, give us a five-star review and send it to us on Twitter and perhaps we'll send you something. Um, I don't know, but it would really help. And yeah, we're going to waste no more time. Let's do it. Jumping into the first news story of the day, let's start on a positive note. The Trippy Bunny NFT project built on Solana announced that in commemoration of National Suicide Prevention Day, they have donated all of their mint proceeds to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The mint proceeds totaled $220,000. On Friday, September 10th at 5 p.m., the NFT project consisting of 10,000 dads will be dropping. Owning one of the 10,000 Crypto Dad NFTs is a badge of membership into the Crypto Dad community. And inside of the Crypto Dad community, you have certain perks such as limited edition merch, uh, an NFT toolbox where other Crypto Dads can work together to give each other advice and tips around the NFT space. Uh, also, they're working on a blockchain lawnmower racing game. And they also have a limited edition beer and whiskey featuring your own Crypto Dad NFT on the can. The Crypto Dad's NFT project sold out in a matter of minutes, and you can purchase your Crypto Dad on a secondary market like OpenSea. Dolce & Gabbana, the luxury fashion brand, is entering the NFT space. On September 20th, they will begin an auction of nine one-of-one -one NFTs on the UNXD marketplace. The NFTs will be utilized as wearables in an unspecified metaverse. As we mentioned last week, the auction house Sotheby's 
was selling a lot of 101 Bored Ape Kennel Clubs as well as a lot of 101 Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs. The sale of the 101 Bored Apes fetched $24,393,000 while the sale of the 101 Bored Ape Kennel Club NFTs fetched in $1.8 million for a total of over $26 million for Sotheby's. Another auction house, Christie's, decided to get in on the NFT space. They will be auctioning off art blocks sets one through three in the coming weeks, and this is notable because this is the first time that Christie's will be accepting Ethereum first. OpenSea, the NFT marketplace, appears to have had a bug over the weekend that resulted in $100,000 of user-owned NFTs being destroyed. OpenSea came out and said that only a small number of users were affected and that the bug has been fixed. On Wednesday, PipleSay released a poll on NFTs that didn't seem very accurate. The findings found that 18% of Americans have personally invested in NFTs, while 22% know someone who has made a purchase. Uh, they also found that 48% of Americans think NFTs are a good and safe investment, and brand-related NFTs are the most popular at 16%. So after this poll was released, 18% of Americans was actually trending on Twitter because people found it just hard to believe. 18% uh, of Americans is a ton of people, and I don't think that that many have personally invested in NFTs. They could, but it just doesn't seem that accurate to me. Um, and people say actually saw all of the backlash that was coming from the poll and they took it down and are re-examining the numbers, which is a good thing. Pranksy, the well-known NFT whale, was under a bit of scrutiny this week over a CryptoPunk trade. Pranksy purchased CryptoPunk 6275 and resold it within just hours for a $1.23 million profit. The Ethereum blockchain has been the king for NFTs since the inception of NFTs, but now there might be a, another fish in the water with Solana. Solana is a blockchain platform for decentralized apps that operates very similarly to Ethereum uh, in a proof of stake manner. And Solana has the capability of holding NFTs. And it's been in the news this week because as many crypto prices have been down, uh, Solana keeps going up and people are starting to want to use Solana and other blockchains like Cardano for their NFTs because of lower gas fees. And we'll see if uh, Ethereum you know, can continue their lead over the other blockchains. Facebook the global social media platform with 2.9 billion users is developing their own Web3 wallet and cryptocurrency. The Novi wallet and Diem cryptocurrency could potentially disrupt the NFT space by allowing users to seamlessly interact with the blockchain directly from Facebook. And just a quick update on the notable celebrities and companies that have been getting into NFTs in the past week. So we have the musician Doja Cat who is selling a collection of 26,000 NFTs on the Tezos blockchain, and these will come with exclusive perks for the most expensive NFTs, such as going to concerts or going out to dinner with Doja Cat. Also, Derek Jeter sold his NFT collection on the DraftKings marketplace, and that sold out very quickly, and it was just ahead of his Hall of Fame induction. 
Uh, also, Yahoo is getting into the NFT game, not directly yet, but they are investing and collaborating with a project uh, with Rebecca Minkoff, which will be coming out this week. Stay tuned for that. And NASCAR is getting into the NFT space with their own marketplace. Uh, they're selling 10,000 NFT tickets on their own NFT marketplace ahead of their race in Bristol next weekend. And as always, we'll wrap it up with the Metaverse Index update. Currently, the MVI is sitting at a trading price of $113.80. This is actually down 22.08% on the week. We have a very special guest joining us today. Uh, it is Dan Boyd, who is the Senior Associate Athletics Director of Sales and Marketing here at the University of Miami. And we have him here today to talk about Kane's Vault. Uh, Kane's Vault is the officially licensed NFT marketplace from the University of Miami Athletics. Uh, and it's a one-of-a-kind non-fungible token marketplace that will showcase the deep history of UM athletics through the sale of officially licensed digital collectibles. These NFTs will highlight the greatest moments in Kane's history, commemorate championships, and feature fan favorite traditions. Uh, Kane's Vault is built on the Flow blockchain, and the University of Miami is the first university to foray into officially licensed NFTs. So this is a very special interview today because Alec, who's not with us, uh, and I, we are both students here at the University of Miami, so we're really excited to learn more uh, from Dan about Kane's Vault. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon, Lucas. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk a little Kane's Vault with you here today. Yeah, let's get right into it. So uh, Kane's Vault launched a couple weeks ago. Uh, how successful has it been up to this point? Well, it's been quite the roller coaster ride. If you look at, you know, over the last six months from going from absolutely foreign territory with the three letters of NFT and the learning curve to get up the speed of, you know, how to create this marketplace. But really fast forwarding to launch, you know, we've had a, a really successful run, especially from the promotional side. When we went out with this initial um, marketplace launch, we got great receptivity from colleagues from across the country. NFT uh, insiders who, who really picked up on, you know, this new initiative from an athletics department. And then our fans who had a lot more questions to ask, understandably so, but thought really the art and the idea of innovation um, was highly appealing. So, so far, so good. Uh, we continue to sell on a consistent and daily basis, which is the most important part of this NFT marketplace, Definitely. while at the same time learning a lot um, about what works best. So this is really cool just because no one has really done this before. So you guys are really the first, first university to do this. And I guess we saw the NFT market really take off about March around that uh, time. So the question is, how long has this idea really been in the works? And what were some of the biggest challenges to getting this marketplace launched? And it really right around was around that time of March. I remember having conversations, obviously NBA Top Shot, you know, gained some significant popularity. You start seeing some outstanding numbers about what people were buying and the secondary market activity. And it was, wait a second, what is this? 
And then really to me, it was the Kings of Leon NFT drop when they released mm-hmm. a new album. And then they were including tickets and experiences and um, got to go on tour with them. You know, there's all these other experiential type of things and then started piecing it all together. So internally we discussed um, what does this look like, right? And, and what does this mean for the future of really fan engagement? And so we started really exploring, right? And it was a, a long pathway to be able to get to what it is today. Um, but initially, we started asking around the country. We, we got connected with some creators, um, got connected with some different uh, leaders in the space. And honestly, we asked a lot of questions and we just said, tell us more, right? And then we started kind of doing our own research and understanding what this could mean for the University of Miami. And, you know, initially, obviously the first thing you come up with is what NFT do we want to create, right? Because you can take this, yep. if you go into OpenSea right now, there's an NFT for anything, right? I mean, yep. uh, there's no real limit to what you can do in this you know, digital space. And so, you know, with what opportunities we had within the athletics department, you know, we really started looking at, well, what did we own? Like from a licensing standpoint, what do we have rights to, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have IP when it comes to the U, Turnover Chain, Sebastian, yep. things like that. But, you know, what's really fascinating to us when we started digging a lot deeper, we didn't have rights to a lot of old video footage or to all of our photography or to some of the things that maybe we saw in the marketplace, like Top Shot, right? We're like, well, how do we do video? Like, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And then you start looking at it like, well, back in the eighties, we didn't own all of the footage that we had. And so, you know, even now with ACC Network, uh, we don't even own all of that. So, you know, we really started getting a little bit deeper into, okay, what could we really turn this into? Yeah. And that led us into, okay, here's the things we have. And then, you know, we initiated a group licensing deal with our former student athletes. And that was never done before here within athletics and relatively new across the country. North mm-hmm. Carolina was one of the first institutions to, to roll out. And we, we quickly followed suit because we wanted to give these former student athletes an opportunity to one, re-engage with the fan base in a new and innovative fashion, yeah. but two, earn some additional income as a revenue stream for them as well. Yeah. And we've all seen that take off with NIL, which we'll talk about a little later, but the point you made about asking questions, I think is really interesting because no one really knows what they're doing exactly. It's so new that everyone is trying to pick everyone's brain as much as they can. So segueing into my next question, you guys are the first ones to do it. Has there been any other universities that have reached out to you to do something similar and try to pick your brain a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, as soon as this went out on um, Friday afternoon, you know, Jason Layton, who's the deputy athletic director of external operations and CFO here at the institution um, and my boss, you know, we both started getting it from from colleagues, not only across the conference, but across the the, the nation as well. And, you know, they had questions, right? Like, um, why? How? um, Is it worth it? What's your ROI? You know, and all kind of like, you know, the business side of this, because, you know, the, the intent here is not to do a one-time drop, right? Which we could have, and we discussed it, right? What is, uh, you know, we could make a splash. We could do one turnover chain or, or one really mass appeal NFT drop, sell maybe, you know, a few dozen and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But the real um, 
objective here was to create a sustainable business model that could constantly evolve, which would add a new revenue stream for the department and find an innovative new way to engage a fan base. And so with those two objectives in mind, that's where this marketplace really came to fruition. Um, but you know, that's where people had a, a lot of questions, right? Because uh, most people assumed we outsourced this and we have a great partner from a blockchain technology support system in Gig Labs, but the ideation, the product development, the pricing strategy, um, the creative efforts were all done in-house. So this was a, um, a side job here um, that took a lot of time over the last six months. We're, at, we're in a unique position here at the University of Miami because we have all these resources, but we also have a lot of history with our sports programs. So we have this content that you can, you know, actually go back into the vault and sell later on when these technologies develop, which is really cool and is a great thing to be sitting on. But I think uh, one of the issues I could see with Kane's vault is just the difference in demographics. So a lot of people who are interested in NFTs, interested in crypto are more younger, more tech savvy individuals. Um, and this might not be the same demographic of fans who really want to purchase like maybe a 1989 and championship ring, something like that. Has this been a difficult barrier to entry for Kane's vault in particular? Uh, or have you seen that it really hasn't mattered too much? Well, you're absolutely right about like the demographic information about um, those who really engage in this space. Now, we recognize that with that in mind, you know, we also have a very, if you look at our database, you know, from a season ticket holder, donors, who buys retails, who comes and supports athletics, it does lean a little bit older from the full mm -hmm. spectrum, right? Now, and one of the objectives, you know, along with, um, you know, revenue and, and engagement was to be able to acquire new fans, right, and, and younger demographics. So um, that was always in mind. Now, specifically with the drop of the 89 ring, um, I do admit, I think we overthought it a little bit because we wanted to tie it into the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, obviously, mm -hmm. this weekend against Alabama in 1989, we beat Alabama for the national championship. So we wanted to tie it in there. I don't think everybody got that connection. Um, and so, you know, if we probably could turn back time, we, we – could have been more patient and maybe had either a little bit more of a robust marketplace to come out with and say, Hey, it's not just a ring. It's not just a turnover chain. It's not, you know, it's multiple different product offerings. Um, I think if we go back in time. We may, you know, have done that just a slightly different. However, the rings kind of did put us on a map because we thought the one-on-one auction with the physical item could appeal cross demographically from an age group standpoint, that, that maybe people were looking for something in addition to the digital collectible, something that they could have physically as well. Now that endeavor was successful in our opinion. We were able to sell that one-on-one -on -one auction for $10,000. And so we thought that was a great start for what hopefully continues to build these one-on-one -on -one experiences for us. So absolutely. And hey, Lucas, we're, we're continuing to learn, right? It, mm -hmm. Like you mentioned before, no one has explored this space from like true marketplace mentality. So yeah. when you look at quantities, product drops, um, pricing, all of these things, there's not a lot of data and insights. Like there isn't ticketing, right? I can go right. historical ticketing 
for decades, or I can look at the secondary market on StubHub, but the NFT space, it's hard to do. It's true. Yeah, we're really moving into something that it's it's just really interesting just because there's there is nothing. And right. it's just, you're really building something that's unique and it's really cool. So you guys are selling a few different collections. There's a few different tiers for each collection and all these tiers have different prices. There's also this thing called the key holders, which we talked about a little bit briefly, uh, who get extra perks. Uh, can you explain this a little more what the holding this key actually entitles you to? Yeah, it's pretty cool. We had a conversation, you know, over the summer, we would get around uh, via Zoom and, and really just have brainstorm sessions. And, you know, the vault, the branding of it, you know, really just evolved from those type of conversations. And then we started thinking about, well, how do you open a vault? Like, what do you need to open a vault? I mean, things like the utility of like, right, yeah. you need a password or what about a key, right? And also the concept when we were talking about that same thing of gating, right? So in, in NFT, you can actually, if you own this, you could get that, right? And so with that gating mentality, we were like, okay, let's combine these two thoughts together and we could essentially assign keys and then based on that, those claims, we could give them different types of access. And still here at the University of Miami Athletics Department, there's no debate about it that our most important customers are season ticket holders and donors. And so that is still the core business function. So how do we continue to find new ways to add value to each of those groups? Well, we want to be able to offer them things like this, right? So we gave each um, season ticket holder and donor uh, a key based on their tier, which is essentially their level okay. of giving and or spend within the season ticket category. And so we had the gold and silver and each comes with kind of the unique set of benefits like pre-sale access and um, in the future state will offer, you know, um, exclusive NFTs just to key holders. And there's a lot we could do there, right? You could yeah. maybe, pre-game field game access to just gold key holders. Like you could bring it to life as well, yeah. right? Um, and so- I think, Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest parts about NFTs is that they're these, they're this physical, I mean, they're digital obviously, but they're, they represent a physical ticket almost mm -hmm. to a club, uh, you know, being a part of a special donor group, anything. Um, but I think that when these more in real life experiences get tied to them, that only boosts their value as well. I completely agree. And that's, I think, the next evolution of Kane's Vault is the utility function of these NFTs and being able to bring it to life through whether that's access or experiences or even a sense of community, right? Like, what if we did, um, you know, a, a coach session that only mm -hmm. gold key holders could come in? They get to meet and interact with each other and get to have this behind the scenes look or whatever it may be, right? This is the fun part of NFTs and Kane's Vault as a whole is that it doesn't have to be stagnant right? We can continue to innovate and create new. And that's really exciting for us as we, you know, continue to explore how we can upgrade game days. How do we make the at-home viewing experience fantastic? Like all of those are still in play, but this mm -hmm. space, there's no box. And yeah. so we get to continue to, to you know, set new limits. And that's what's so exciting about it. But speaking about something that's also just opened up and super important for you at you know, University of Miami Athletics, uh, is this development of the advent of players being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So 
Obviously, that's never happened before. But De'Ara King, University Miami quarterback, he launched an NFT company with uh, Mackenzie Milton, who's the quarterback over at Florida State. Do you think that there could be a connection between this now, now that players can actually profit off their name, image, and likeness and can sell NFTs of themselves? Uh, do you think that Kane's vault would ever uh, you know, coexist with current players and former uh, UM alumni? In the future, I definitely think there could be that potential. Right now, how Florida law exists, it's not an opportunity we can offer to current student athletes. And so, you know, this is, has only been two months since right. NIL has been in existence. So we're still in the infancy stages, but we can certainly, you know, what, you know, Derek has been able to accomplish here in those two months has been significant. I mean, he has been the trendsetter for the entire nation when it comes mm -hmm. to NIL, and it's been fantastic for his own personal brand. And obviously just a great reflection of the opportunities that the University of Miami can provide. Mm -hmm. And so we are optimistic that this fluid environment can continue to evolve where that is a, a potential. But for right now, the institution cannot be directly compensating student athletes in that manner. True. So we're supportive um, in how we educate, we develop brands, right. um, and really teach and monitor what student athletes are doing on the NIL front. And then for now, within the NFT space, we're primarily focused on those former student athletes, which is really exciting because mm -hmm. we're going to have a new Game Changers initiative. And this is going to be a little bit more of a, a pack drop. So you can purchase a pack and then it's going to unveil essentially a moment in history from some of the greatest players of all time at UM. So we think the collectability of that is a cool evolution beyond the existing products that you see on Kane's Vault right now. Yeah, that sounds awesome. The pack drops are so fun with any NFT and yep. that would make me come in and get one for sure. Yeah, uh, imagine that Kane's Vault door opening and the lights turn on and you get surprised the by smoke, these smoke yeah. coming out. The yeah, there you go. Out of the smoke. That's a I good like, idea. I like that. Good idea. So I guess I got one more question for you, Dan. As the world becomes more and more tech focused, how do you think this digital revolution will impact NCAA, NCAA athletics just overall? Yeah, that's a, it's a big question, <laughs> right? And I think there's so much unknown. You know, college athletics has so much history. Like if you look at programs across the country now, I think the U is, is hard to compete with when you talk about historical relevancy, especially in the football space. Um, but, you know, each institution has their unique story and unique traditions. And we've been telling those stories for decades, right? Some centuries, depending on the school. And so as these institutions and us as the NCAA continues to explore um, new ways to tell those stories, right? And I think these digital spaces gives us such creativity to be able to come up with new messaging and new product offerings. And most importantly, why this is so valuable is because of that younger fan base. How are we going to engage this next generation of fans? And listen, there's always going to be football fans out there or basketball fans or baseball fans or soccer fans and things of that nature. But from an engagement standpoint, you got to find new native ways to capture their attention. And two, the revenue buckets 
can only get so big. I mean, I can only sell so many tickets at Hard Rock Stadium or at the Watsco Center, right? Now this extends beyond that and there's no real limit in cap. Mm -hmm. It's it's really just what we want to make out of it. So I think this is a trend you're going to continue to see throughout the collegiate space as athletics departments explores new ways to engage fans, how to acquire a younger demographic. And then, you know, really, I think the utility function of this, like blockchain technology is going to support ticketing at some point, Mm -hmm. right? And that's going to change the game as far as how we use some of this technology. And I'm really excited about that. And you see some international soccer clubs and things like that already kind of exploring the space. It's not far off. And I think what's really exciting for us in Miami, and I'm sure you've been following this, Lucas, but the Miami business community specifically, all of these cryptocurrency companies and financial institutions, they're moving from New York offices and LA offices, and they're coming to Miami. I mean, this is a um, hot industry right now for our community. And I think, you know, if we can play this right and we have the support, you know, even had the the Miami mayor retweet about Keynes vault on day one, which we thought was really cool. Right. And like, um, how can we cross promote and continue to integrate into uh, some of those segments? I think is, is, is really exciting for us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Miami university, Miami being positioned here in this growing capital and doing things like this. It's really exciting. Uh, from a student's perspective, just being in the community. Dan, this has been awesome uh, chatting with you about Kane's Vault. Uh, what can the listeners do to get involved and go pick up one of these NFTs? Well, I think first and foremost, come check out canesvault.com. Um, we're really impressed by first the art, the digital art that you see here um, was created by Black Madre, which is a digital art studio based out of Brazil that did you know, Rob Gronkowski and Golden State Warriors. So just come in and check out the art and, and let us know as an athletics department, what do you think of the wow factor of that is? Because I think it speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. But then secondly, engage with us on social, um, specifically Twitter and Instagram. We're heavily focused on being able to sneak previews, educational series. And we really are eager to build a community here on campus with our student body. So if there's ways and, and ideas that everyone has, you know, trust us, we're, we're all ears and, and really eager to, um, you know, meet demand and continue to evolve as an organization. So come visit us on canesvault.com, follow us on IG and Twitter. And uh, we look forward to telling more stories about athletics history and, and current day as well. Right, Dan. Thank you so much. You guys all heard him. Canesvault.com and, you know, knock on his door and let him know about the art. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, Lucas. All right. Huge shout out to Dan for talking to us about Canesvault. Uh, Everyone should go check that out at canesvault.com. We mentioned the Alabama game briefly. Uh, I did drive up 20 hours for that and we lost. But what I'll say to the Alabama fans is, your school doesn't have an NFT marketplace. So, yeah, you might have all these national championships, but whatever, you're not even selling NFTs. So this wraps up another episode of the NFT Rumors podcast. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll be interviewing a founder of one of these generative art 10,000 NFT collections. Uh, We're not going to name it, but tune in next week. And, yeah, follow us on Twitter at NFT Rumors. And, yeah, catch you next week. Peace. Peace.